This is the University of Applied Research and Development's Emergency Response and Risk Management video and podcast. You'll meet world-class leading professionals who share their wisdom, careers, and experiences. Join us on YouTube and all quality podcast platforms such as Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, and Radio Public. Welcome, everybody, to the University of Applied Research and Development's Emergency Response and Risk Management podcast and videocast. I'm delighted to be here with Yunus Imam. He's an emergency management professional in the financial sector. It's great to have you with us, Yunus. Hey, uh, nice to be on. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted because you have so many different things that you're doing, and you've done your thesis in disaster um, and emergency management from York University, so I'd love to hear a little bit about that today as well. Um, I noticed on your LinkedIn profile about the Salam project, love to hear about that as well, and then tell us about your experiences in consulting, so all of that together, really looking forward to hearing from you. So how about we start with your um, current role and interests and things a little bit, what you're doing right now? Sure. So uh, so I work in a uh, f- uh, financial institution within Canada, uh, and I work with an emergency management. Uh, what we do is that we uh, respond to uh, security incidences across uh, this financial institution's uh, Canadian footprint. So uh, that might be uh, of various different numbers of uh, uh, criminal and security incidences, uh, every, uh, things like, you know, uh, it might be, uh, it's, diff- it's d- d- difficult to say without divulging too much, but uh, different crisis incidences, so it might be uh, uh, threats of uh, criminal nature, it might be uh, things like missing persons, uh, sometimes it's environmental hazards as well. Uh, and yeah, and that, that's, what, that's what I do, uh, that's my regular job. And then along with that, yes, yeah, so I was involved with uh, developing research for uh uh, developing security within the Muslim community after, as a result of the Quebec City shooting, and uh, uh, this is actually the thesis right here. Uh, this is the uh, this is the, uh, what we published through York University, and uh, as a result of that, I was recruited by a number of police officers from the Muslim community uh, in Toronto, and uh, they have a they have a program called the Salam Project, and what they do is they try to uh, build security and emergency preparedness at different mosques. We have a, a very large number of clientele across uh, churches, schools, mosques, and other uh, organizations, uh, specifically charities we try to focus on. Tell us a little bit more about that, about what sort of security things that mosques or community organizations need to be aware of, because often people meet together. They meet together because they have a shared religion or passion or interest. They're not thinking we need to protect ourselves. They're thinking we want to get together and, and share share our experiences. So what, what sort of things are you working on in the Salam project? So uh, um, actually, so I was recruited actually in the immediate wake of uh, the New Zealand shooting in Christchurch. Right. Uh, it was obviously a very, very traumatic incident, not just for, with the goes without saying, for the people involved in the incident and people in New Zealand, but uh, people across the world. And all of a sudden it raised a number of very large flags among the Muslim community you know, we're not prepared for anything like this. Um, right. So what happened was that uh, because of uh, both the work experience that I have and the research that I've published, uh, I was called upon to 
uh, start speaking about this to different mosques. People just started calling me over and I would give uh, presentations on emergency preparedness. Uh, we tried, we did very basic things. So uh, what I'd like to talk about is, uh, you know, uh, the run, hide, defend methodology that we try to espouse. It's basically what the police have. And what we do is we try to uh, give people the tools uh, to respond to emergencies on their own. Essentially, how do you keep your own your, yourself safe? Uh, because of that, the uh, police officers in the Salam Project took notice. Uh, they recruited me. And uh, what we've been doing is we've been running together ever since. Uh, it's, a, it's a group of uh, professionals across uh, different realms, including urban planning, uh, loss prevention, uh, and uh, uh, just uh, d different different people in the Muslim community who are trying to, you know, build that security. So what we do is that we have a full auditing process. We uh, do a full physical security audit of that mosque. Uh, we try to look at what would be uh, ha hazards, vulnerabilities, uh, different risks, right? Uh, we publish that audit towards them. Uh, then we engage in our, our flagship product, which is an emergency preparedness seminar. Uh, what we do is that we look at uh, a couple different things. So one would be hate crime and how do you prevent hate crime, right? How do you build bonds between different communities? Uh, the second thing would be we work on how do you build a security team? And that's, uh, that's actually a pretty basic uh, uh, notion. And that is essentially uh, it, it, what we try to do is not focus on uh, expensive measures and procedures because we know these are charity organizations. They can't they don't have much in terms of funding. So we say things like using very, very inexpensive tools, walkie talkies, having a security team that understands what their rights are in terms of civilian arrests. Um, sorry, they're called citizens arrests uh, and uh, understanding uh, procedures in terms of reporting and uh, uh, just, just basic incident management, right? Uh, things like evacuation drills, uh, uh, understanding uh, basic communication procedures, and what we try to do is that uh, we give we give them the tools to build their own security team based on what they've got, uh, without having to spend a, a ton of money. Uh, that includes also some ba very very basic first aid awareness. Obviously, look, none of us are medical professionals, but we try to uh, give them awareness of what stop the bleed is and uh, where you can get additional first aid training. Uh, uh, at times, I've actually provided them first aid equipment. Um, and we also give a little bit of awareness talks on mental health conflict de-escalation. Uh, so uh, uh, that's sort of in a nutshell of what we do. We try to give them as many tools as possible. And then we also try to give the general public a bunch of, tool, a bunch of uh, information and education as well. That sounds really powerful. So you, you mentioned run, hide, defend. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, so run, hide, defend sounds like three words that everyone can remember, and then they can remember the strategies or the actions, the behaviours that they need to do. And then you mentioned some other things as well. So stop the bleed. So you have these these sayings that people can remember in situations because yeah. when you're in stressful situations, you remember that you don't remember the details, but you can remember simple things like that. Was it intentional? Absolutely. So one of the things. So. Um, Originally, when I was uh, when I had just entered the war, so I only entered the working world about two years ago, right? That's when I finished my masters. Uh, and uh, what happened is that I was recruited by a city government. Uh, they're called the City of Brampton, uh, and uh, they have an amazingly innovative program uh, in uh, called the Lighthouse Project. And the Lighthouse Project aims to uh, build emergency preparedness and disaster relief at places of worship. 
what they do is that they give these places of worship the tools and training uh, to uh, assist their communities during a time of crisis. So if there's a power outage in the area and there's an area-wide outage and it might be for a few days, uh, that, that mosque or church or synagogue or gudwara uh, they might have a backup generator. They might have uh, sh uh, a shelter area and, uh, you know, uh, staff who, who are trained in terms of food, food service and uh, uh, perhaps first aid training, right? And they basically can act as a sort of hub uh, to uh, empower the community. A great example is uh, I had the chance of visiting New Orleans uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, during Katrina, one of the mosques that I've, I've, so I visited one of the mosques and they talked about how during Katrina, uh, the entire community was flooded except for that mosque. That mosque became the shelter for the entire community, including cats, dogs, everything, right? And uh, FEMA eventually started uh, dropping the food, packet, food packages and emergency uh, supply delivery uh, to that mosque so that they could act as a hub. So that was really great. Uh, it helped a lot of people at that time. Uh, so that's the kind of model they're doing. They, they're actually very active in the church community in Toronto. Uh, I, there's dozens of churches that use their program right now, and they were involved in COVID-19 response, of which I was very happy to help out as well. In. Um, and so what happened is that when we, when we were trying to outreach to the mosques, many of them being that, you know, there's a, there's a very complicated relationship that uh, Muslims unfortunately have uh, with the government because, you know, uh, with, you know, countering violent extremism and all these other programs that have been very prevalent in North America, uh, unfortunately, there's a little bit of mistrust with the government. And also, there, a lot of these people are coming from countries that um, traditionally don't have very trustworthy governments to begin with, right? Police don't have the... Um, poli police may not... Have, police don't have the best of reputations there, for example, Right. Uh, because of all the things that people have experienced, right? So, uh, unfortunately, there was some resistance to it. And so what we had to do is make it very simple. Uh, we had to make it uh, very simple and approachable for people to understand uh, that, uh, you know, provide them very simple mnemonics, uh, very simple uh, ideas. Now, these are, not our, these are not our devices that we've used. Uh, these so uh, in the United in the United States the pol the police community in general has created the run hide fight uh, motto and uh, essentially what the Canadian police have done is change it to run hide defend it's it's pretty much the same thing right stop the bleed is also uh, from uh, the American perspective uh, Barack Obama was a huge uh, supporter of that uh, and all that is is pretty much you can greatly reduce the chance of uh, loss of life during a bleeding situation, uh, if you hold a, uh, basically, if you base, stop the bleeding at its source by uh, applying extreme intense amounts of pressure to it. And there's a little bit more to that, like tourniquets, but I'm not going to go into that right now. I think that's really powerful, Eunice. I think it's really important that people have these mnemonics to remember things. And um, also, I think for, for our students in the faculty who are doing their degrees and doing their master's, understanding that within communities there's resistance to preparedness which is for their own good but their resistance is justified based on their experiences how do you deal with the resistance in the com in the community you've mentioned some things how would you suggest someone goes about tackling resistance so i mean it was it was difficult because um what you need to do is it, it, it runs from 
a couple of different angles. Uh, one is that when you in the corporate environment, which in I work, um, everybody wants to, nobody wants to read a book, right? Nobody wants to like you know if you produce and you could have put a lot of effort into a very long document, right? But at the end of the day, it's got to be one page. It's going to be very simple instructions, and you repeat that over repetition over time. If people want to learn more, you give them that as well. But you'd better make sure that the five sentences you have are the best sentences ever. And uh, so it's it's part of it is uh, because you want uh, you want to make sure that you can fit it into their attention spans, right? But also part of it is that you want to make it memorable, right? Um, I've 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 had to respond to several incidences um, and very very fast paced incidences. Uh, in my work in the financial sector, right? These are these are things where uh, you know it's going it, like we're measuring time in seconds, right? Uh, when and you know it's very important to get priorities straight, you know, because if it's if it's something that could be a life safety event, it's you know it, it, you know there's no question about it, right? And you tend to forget when there's an emergency going on. You tend to forget everything. What I learned from that and both, uh, so I also do martial arts training as well in uh, Krav Maga. Uh, and what that I did that because I was having so many struggles in my job that I needed to learn how to respond to emergencies in the you know physically in in the environment itself, right? And what I realized is that you need to learn through rote repetition. You need to make it very uh, understandable, right? Um, now, when it comes to reaching out to communities, uh, so th th there's a twofold aspect to that. One is that human beings in general just need very easily understandable things to provide to them. And the number two is that you need to build trust. Uh, and trust is only built uh, through time, time, time. And uh, it's, it's very strange, like even me being a Muslim myself, right, uh, being very involved in the community, at first it was like, you know, they didn't trust me as much, right, because I'm just some random guy coming and sure I've got a suit on, but, you know, uh, they don't know what, what my intentions are, right? Uh, it's gotten a lot easier. So uh, it went from before... Uh, when we had a, I think we had like we, we managed off one or two presentations to a couple community leaders before New Zealand, right? And then what happened is that after New Zealand, uh, when I joined the Salon Project, we uh, had built our reputation up. People knew what we were doing, and they knew that what we were doing was effective. Uh, right before New Zealand, uh, no, right before the COVID nineteen, the lockdown happened. We were now at ninety nine presentations. And, uh, you know, the, the, uh, and the, the response has been incredible. And like some, some of the larger organizations, they've invited us to come again and again and again and provide the training uh, continuously, right? Uh, so that, that's really good. Uh, that, that's all I'd have to say. I think trust, uh, to sum up something that may have been a little bit too ranty, uh, I think trust is very important. Trust is very important to develop in a community. So someone who's not part of the Muslim community is not a Muslim themselves. I'm a Christian, but being in Indonesia, it's the last, largest um, Muslim country in the world by population. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit more aware of myself and communication, interaction, valuing the beautiful things that bring us together. For people who don't have that background, who are not from the community, how would they, as an emergency response professional how the best how's the best way to engage with a muslim community when trying to help them i'm going to think about this for a second uh, i think if you were to tone it down to a couple of pillars i think the first thing is trust uh, the second thing is that you need to make 
your material very approachable, very understandable. And uh, you need to show how, the, where, where's the value being added, right? Um, so, and, and here's the thing, you don't need, and you also need to maybe uh, take a look at, you know, look at what marketers are doing. How do, how do how do marketing agencies uh, provide like you know provide their material because their their entire reason the reason why they have a job is because they get paid to make sure that people pay attention to what that product is right so essentially you need to you need to look at uh, you need to look at what the experts in marketing are doing right and you need to apply those measures and I, I would suggest actually asking those people because that's how you can sell it because it seems to be a problem across the whole emergency management field if you look at business continuity, um, right? Uh, having to build a business continuity program usually is only done in the, you know, it's, it's, it's never uh, uh, prioritized or appreciated until the incident happens, like with COVID, right? As we can see different organizations scrambling with their business continuity measures, things that would have been very easy. And that's just human nature. Hmm. I would say the most important thing is trust because once you have the trust of key stakeholders within the community, and that, that involves, uh, once you have that trust established, I think that it would become much more easier to approach anything because you have those advocates within that organization and those people are trusted. Yeah. So I think that's really good, Eunice, talking about stakeholders. And that's maybe I'll ask the question in a different way. So if we're trying to deploy or establish a preparedness strategy, um, in the community, predominantly Muslim. What would be the best way as a non-Muslim to come in? What are the structural steps we need to think about? Do we go to the mosque? Do we ask for the cleric? Do uh, we, yes. What are the steps we should go through to engage? Okay, so so definitely don't try to call or email anybody because unless 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 it's coming, unfortunately, even I even I when like you know if I'm calling or emailing somebody, unless they know me personally they're usually not going to like, you know, pay attention because uh, unfortunately it's always like, what does this person really want? Right. They're offering me something, but what do they really, really want? Right. Um, so I would suggest, I, I, I think this, this goes for many things in life. You need to go physically and you need to go say hi and uh, you need to attend their major events and stuff as well. Right. Uh, and it's unfortunately, there's no shortcuts to it. Uh, you need to actually build, establish a relationship and it needs to uh, be to the point where, uh, you know, there needs to be a friendship established. Not like, you know, it, it goes beyond, um, because in, in government and in corporations, right, these relationships are sort of emplaced upon us, right? We don't have a choice, but to, we have to work with that guy from HR. We have to do that thing, right? Uh, within these community organizations, if you're doing outreach work, there's no demand upon anybody to do anything, right? Right. For, for, for the, those people in the, in the Muslim community, it's like this is just some random guy coming off and asking me to do something. Right. I don't know what his intentions are. So, um, again, I mean, I don't know, uh, like if you're talking about uh, actionable steps, I would say, yeah, uh, absolutely walking up and just talk, like approaching them during off hours, uh, talking to them. Right. Uh, major, major thing would be actually going to their like big events. The, uh, so, so if they're having like, you know, an open house, uh, Ramadan pot, uh, potluck or something like that, obviously not right now, but, um, if they're having, uh, something like that and, uh, you know, you, you can come inside and say hi, and they, they usually host these events and they usually have it open to everyone, right? right. 
and you can you can you can uh, you can talk to people and you can uh, interact and you can uh, chit chat and stuff and then you know that 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 is like a force multiplier because not only are you going to you know talk to the main stakeholders who are probably going to invite you in and be very nice to you right but then you're also going to be talking to other people who are uh, very close friends with those stakeholders so then all of a sudden you're building that reputation over like you're, you're multiplying that reputation and it, what that does that creates a feedback loop uh, everybody uh, talks to talks to everybody else about you know um, your mannerisms your good character right and that shines through then when you start asking about okay like you know i'd like to assist you in a, or um, reach out to you for whatever purpose they become much more pliable to it uh, and making sure that va- making sure that the messaging is simple and that value is added Right. So, so yeah. So, and, 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 and that goes for whether it's a nonprofit idea or a profit idea, right? The Salam project is actually completely nonprofit. We, uh, our organizations, everything we do is for free. Uh, it's all, it's all community funded and community sourced. And, uh, the, the thing is, is that, um, the print, like the problem is that when you're, you don't have it, you don't, when you don't have money inflowing for the project, it's very difficult to, uh, you know, put poor money into, you know, outreaching and stuff like that. So you sort of just have to do it as it comes. Right. Eunice, this has been really interesting and it's taken, taken, gone on a tack or a tangent that I didn't expect it to, but it's very, very valuable, I think. So I really appreciate that for um, just before we wind up for people that are just graduating or new to the industry and considering what to do, where to go, what sort of career advice in terms of experiences or trainings would you suggest to someone? That's an interesting question, Craig. And yeah, and I apologize if I went on a tangent, that's uh, that wasn't the intention, but you know uh, what? So I think what I would say, I had a lot of struggles coming into this field. And it's only in the last four or five months that um, I, I've seen a difference in terms of uh, being confident about everything. Um, and I know many people who have gotten the education and yet they actually don't have a job in this field yet. So I'm very thankful for that right now. Um, not to discourage anybody from it, but there are some steps you need to take. Uh, I think the number one thing is experience, experience, experience. Um, I would say that as soon as you're studying this stuff, you need to try to figure out opportunities to get into the field of some and volunteer. If that means that it's internships, uh, I would actually recommend that uh, you don't even focus on specifically emergency management. I would say uh, go into more operations or uh, security for a very high volume, high traffic area like a mall or some urban center or a hospital or an amusement park, right? Because what will that will do is that, that will, you will have to go through some very difficult and tough experiences where you have to make decisions on the fly and you have to remember things and you have to deal with stress and sometimes trauma. And what that will do is that will grow your character and grow your experience. And, uh, uh, I would suggest uh, some things you can do right now is follow podcasts like uh, the Jocko Willing podcast. Uh, he's a really great guy, um, Navy, uh, Navy SEAL, uh, talks about leadership and taking personal responsibility for your actions and your success. Yeah, I really like him. He's great to yeah. listen to. Yeah. 
he's, he's really amazing. Because he's yeah, been so, Sorry? Sorry? Because he's, because he's been there, done that. He's led in the most difficult of circumstances. It's very, very Yeah, and, and, and so I, I think it's really important to understand, like, and also um, throughout the whole process of building yourself and your career, um, always have, um, always write, you know, write down what you're doing wrong, take personal responsibility for what, what's going on, because even if it's not your fault, there's a way you could have made it better, right? Um, and uh, that will not only lead you to improving the fastest, but also among your colleagues and your peers, you'll grow the most amount of respect. And obviously always um, another important point is to value every voice. It doesn't matter if they have a PhD or uh, I don't know, London School of Economics uh, PhD behind them or, uh, you, know, a, a, you know, a medical degree or whatever, right? Or if they're the janitor, right? Or the custodian, right? Everybody has something to contribute and you can learn something from pretty much everybody. Uh, and that's, that's what, why, what a university teaches us to do. Uh, so, so those are the things I'd be uh, cognizant of. Eunice, really want to thank you for your time. And we've had to juggle things around and you've been very flexible to make time for us today. So thank you so much. And I wish you all the best for the weekend. Thank you so much, Craig. You have a great weekend too.